Thanks for hanging out with me here at the Comic Syllabus for Saturday, May 14th, 2022. I'm Paul. Um, Comic Syllabus is a podcast where I, an English teacher, talk about graphic novels and comics. And thank you for joining us today. We'll talk about The Leak, Amazing Fantasy, and uh, and gear up to read the third person <laughs> and some other stuff, probably. Um, thank you so much for joining. And, um, and let's dig deep. Hey, so thanks for joining us. Um, if you are a subscriber to this podcast via the feed that's, you know, there on Apple Podcasts or um, the RSS feed or you're using uh, another podcatcher and you're not using the Substack, which is where we're at comicsyllabus.substack.com, that's okay. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to work on, I, I apologize because I haven't been posting everything um, that I've been doing on this podcast to the main feed or that original feed i'm trying to port everything over to the substack at comicsyllabus.substack.com so just a little note on that and uh so if you're experiencing delays in these episodes um find me at the substack and also i will be working on that um on that on that feed uh also uh we are part of multiversitycomics.com's network of podcasts and uh, that's a great site for comics coverage it's got a lot of really good um writers who are checking out things that you may have missed, um, podcasts that cover different areas of comics culture and so on. So uh, let's see, I, I, I uh, have wanted to post more frequently, whether podcast or, you know, written things on, uh, on the on the Substack, but it's been super uh, busy. It's a, it's a challenging year, uh, as I say every episode, and a challenging time of year for us in education and um and in schools, um, it's challenging times, and a lot of um, the burnout and attrition that we're seeing among teachers, um, as well as just the kind of really embattled state of, you know, those of us who work in the classrooms, particularly if you're, you know, just really trying to teach as part of the larger social mission and an ecological mission that we have um, as just responsible human beings and, and you know, citizens, stewards of society, whatever, and, and of our planet. Man, it's it's discouraging, and um, I I have also experienced some individual discouragement in some different respects. What isn't discouraging, though, is the kids. Um, they sure go through a lot, um, and uh, they sure do um, just move me to tears with the ways that they <sighs> retain resilience and hopefulness and, and and all those things. They are um, they are heroic to me. Um, we have been doing at the school where I teach, I teach in a middle school in Bay Area, um, uh, a, a readathon, <laughs> and uh, just love the teachers I teach with, the English teachers for conceiving of and investing in um, just getting books in kids' hands. If you came into my classroom now, you'd see stacks, piles. Basically, I have you know these longish tables that two or three chairs are are around, and the kids are kind of like in a semi-circle <laughs> in my classroom and every one of those tables has a stack of seven or eight books and a lot of them are you know um novels um or uh some nonfiction, um you know uh, mostly uh, writers authors creators of color um to reflect our school's population and demographic and community um and stuff that is just you know a wide wide range of really fascinating or fun or powerful um, pieces of literature. 
And a good, you know, 40, 50% of this stuff is, is comics, is graphic novels. Um, and I am so proud of how much richness there is in the array of stuff that uh, I can put on, on those tables and kids just seeing their eyes light up or it's curiosity as they, as they explore all these things. And then they start kind of chattering about it and asking me for specific things. And so um, it's just been a glorious um, oasis of, of hopefulness in the desert of, of hardship that is um, working in the classroom. Um, and, I, you know, I got kids reading uh, Thor God of Thunder and I got kids reading you know, um, DC Injustice, and, you know, there's the Raina Telgemeier fans who are really into the Babysitter's Club books and drama and stuff like that, and there's the fans of New Kid by Jerry Craft and uh, Glass Act, the second book in that, um, uh, in in that uh, over, and then, you know, kids into Last Kids on Earth, and and all this kind of stuff that you see in a lot of the shelves um, for younger readers, middle grade readers, um, but some of the gems that maybe are lesser known right now, but that the kids that some of my students have really locked into, I'm just so proud and excited about. Um, I've talked in this podcast a while ago about uh, the DC Kids uh, graphic novel Unearthed um, by Lilium Rivera and Steph C. Um, super beautiful and, and really um, powerful uh, Jessica Cruz story. Jessica Cruz is, of course, a Green Lantern. Although you you wouldn't necessarily know it by the book, and you don't you certainly don't have to have any uh, attachment to Green Lantern. In fact, I feel like it's probably better if you don't know that that it's a you don't need to know that it's a Green Lantern book. What it is is a really um uh, really great uh, story about a young woman, you know, kind of identifying with her um, the you know indigenous roots and um, spiritualities linked to um, her, you know. Her, her her culture background as it has been sort of um you know placed in maybe appropriated by a museum where she's where she's volunteering and, and all this kind of stuff her family encounters um and you know undocumented folks in her community so that's one um there's a book welcome to the new world that was i can't remember which publication maybe a new yorker or new york times comic or something like that that's been really expanded out and it's by jake halpern and michael sloan about a Syrian refugee family and how they make it in the United States, um, fleeing kind of a you know um, jail, um, imprisonment in um, in in Syria uh, and then fleeing to the U.S. Um, and the family and the the teenage students who are trying to make it through school. Um, you, you understand the readers of these books that I have are kids who um, predominantly come from um, immigrant families and many of them themselves came to the U.S in the last, uh, you know, couple years. Um, so to have their eyes light up as they're reading this text in English, which they're still learning, and, um, and to have it reflective of so many of their experiences in their community is um, pretty powerful. Um, I've talked before about this book. It's just kind of underseen. <laughs> I always try to order them, uh, and, and they just all, you know, kids fall in love with this book. It's called Voces Sin Fronteras. And it's composed by a group of teens from a Latin American youth center in um, somewhere in the U.S. And, um, you know, it's in English and Spanish um, on, on facing pages and just comics made by teenagers accounting for their experiences. Uh, we've been reading one together where a young man named Alejandro left um, El Salvador and found educational um, 
you know, like like uh, he struggled with his friends graduating and and him not being able to, and then found a motivation from his family to flee the violence that was around them and to to come to the U.S. and is reflective of so many things that my my students have experienced. Um, one of those gems, also, of a graphic novel that uh, one kid in particular picked up and just I mean, this is a like this kid is been super quiet and shy and, and I've gotten to know them but they they um they don't speak up a lot in class and and um and they <laughs> they picked up this book and I just thought like why is that one appealing you know you just never know what's gonna land and so I I like having these big piles of all kinds of books and you know I, I float them throughout the room and, and and who knows what catches someone's eye or why but um I'm glad that this student uh sort of just for some reason, got into this book and, and read the whole thing. Um, I'm going to grab it right now. It's called The Leak, and it came out in 2021, uh, I think around March. Um, I missed it, uh, but it's one of those things that the Junior Library Guild um, brought our way into our attention, and I'm glad that it did. So I want to talk about The Leak today, and ended up reading it with my daughter as well. It is by Kate Reed Petty and uh, Andrea Bell. That's the... Um, the creator team. Um, Kate Reed Petty is a you know fiction writer um, and also has written a novel called True Story um, from 2020. And Andrea Bell has um, uh, you know drawn uh, a variety of uh, illustrated books and stuff like that. Um, this is published by First Second, uh, always a trusty publisher for great um, graphic novels. And um, the leak is about a um, a young girl, and uh, this—I guess the sub subheading subtitle is no, maybe not. <laughs> I'm looking at the cover page, and there's a little head headline, um, but it's actually on a screen. Okay, so what what is the book about? Um, it's dedicated to the people of Flint, Michigan, and it starts off with a kid, and you know she's at the dentist chair, and she just keeps having cavities. Um, you might get a hint where this is going now um she uh wants to be a journalist that's kind of her dream like a, a real solid investigative journalist and um she starts kind of investigating uh some happenings in her town she's going fishing playing with a friend near some near a lake with some water this is a fictional story um and uh, her name is ruth and ruth and her friend jonathan are hanging out at the lake and they see some um fishy nefarious uh dumping going on and so she kind of you know grabs a sample of the water talks to her very supportive and, and very cool science teacher um and she writes a little you know a little newsletter that's her sort of burgeoning journalism um called the cools letter <laughs> she's got her own substack so it's, it's not a substack but it's the, called the cools letter and you know she's got little little news stories that she is uh uh, writing about and I, I should say this is probably um, young adult maybe middle grade <laughs> I did think it was funny that in the cools letter that we see on her screen on page 36 there's the various news stories this is you know her sort of um, uh, uh, non-professional for amateur uh, uh, journalism and so the news story the this week's biggest news alien invasion at particular lake uh and then also other headlines penis graffiti appears again click for photos it's pretty funny um 
but uh, what what ends up happening is that she um, starts through her persistent digging um, to find out that um, there's there's uh, you know all, all kinds of uh, chemical pollution in their town's uh, water supply, you know, and, and in the lake. And um, yeah, and so more goes down from there. And you know, I mean, in terms of like, oh, how realistic is this? <laughs> I think that's really secondary. It's a, it's a, it's a comic for kids. What's kind of cool is how it can convey for young readers, one, the importance and value of of journalism, um, as a pursuit, as a pursuit for, um, you know, uh, a place where heroes are. And I wish there were more stories like this. You know, stories where um, your protagon- our protagonists are the kind of real life heroes. Um, you know, doctors, nurses, uh, journalists, I don't know, teachers, you know, <laughs> um, and, um, and just doing things that need to be done in this world um, to expose truth and confront, you know, powers that be. And she, she, in fact, does that. And there's interwoven a little bit of teen drama and relationship drama and uh, family drama. There's interwoven in here. Um, uh, uh, but a lot of <laughs> believable pretty believable maybe not that believable uh (laughs) intrepid investigation um by ruth and and her friends um what's very believable is and and obviously documented by um by great journalists is the ways that um you know kind of like the uh the corporate um uh ecological and environmental um uh, irresponsibility uh, not only becomes a issue of you know how we take care of our natural surroundings but really becomes an environmental justice issue where communities and neighborhoods uh, like the water crisis in Flint Michigan um, really start to hurt most of all the most vulnerable and then the really underhanded actions of um, of people who either cover up or what I think is so fascinating about this book to give a little bit of a spoiler is that they try to appropriate the um the process of unearthing that truth and Ruth has to um, figure out what to do what to do about that um there there is a scene where the principal of her school allows her to be um, basically strong-armed by um, a corporate lawyer and a uh yeah, and a, a business, a country club owner <laughs> in his office. It was with no parent, uh, you know, um, uh, backup or, or, or whatever, or their own legal representation. I was like, this is shady. This is a fireball <laughs> thing for this principal to do. Uh, but uh, overall, um, what I really enjoy about this, the idea that A, um, this the student just picked up this book and really read it and then b that i enjoyed reading it with uh, my daughter and just thinking about her processing this story is that um it's such a needed area of knowledge um there's stuff in there about evidence and what makes the evidence valid and 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 how you present evidence there's stuff in there about questions of subjectivity and journalism and how important it is to um you know kind of speak truth and and to you can acknowledge put your your sort of you know your own positionality or whatever 
but you you need to adhere to um, becoming a, a credible and reliable um, uh, you know source and 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 to cite where you can your sources and and so on in a way that you know as an English teacher who in kind of this common core era where we're supposed to be teaching so much about citing sources um, and this time of the year students are taking their big standardized tests and they have these performance tasks and those performance tasks involve reading all these articles of, of you know research or of, of information or of, of persuasive argumentative writing and and forming an opinion that's backed uh, grounded in evidence right this, like, this is the big sort of common core push within our literacy teaching um, and you know in the years since common core I think all the goings-on in our, our our country in the United States and, and around the world have only proven even more the necessity of teaching young people to dis discern and discriminate where um, the heavy hand of, of you know, um, capitalistic interests um, are involved in manipulation of what we know about. And it takes a lot of... Um, the kind of you know uh, high standards and and high standards for truth, but also um, uh, you know a per dogged pursuit of truth, uh, like what Ruth exhibits. And she's of course by no means a perfect perfect person, and nobody is. And I think that it's great that the story shows um, her learning process, in addition to you know sort of like what she ends up doing. That 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 is very very much um, the heroic thing. A fun thing to read too, as as you know, the Pulitzer Prize winners were announced for this past year, and just thinking about the kinds of journalism uh, involved in you know, kind of unearthing the May sixth um, perpetrators and 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 everything that that <laughs> sometimes still like, did that happen? Uh, I'm sorry, did I say May sixth? I'm my brain is obviously in this month, the the January sixth perpetrators uh, uh, from. Uh, from January 6th, 2021, that, that dark day for the United States. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, the sort of quote-unquote post-truth, I don't love that phrase, uh, world that we live in in the sort of reign of the Tucker Carlson's and, and, and you know, questions of, of media um, are a big territory and I think the leak provides a friendly introduction to a for a young reader into that into that uh, world into those questions so pretty cool um, that's the leak by Kate Reed Petty and Andrea Bell um, I think it's a fun read for adult um, it's clearly targeted though for younger readers so pick it up and check it out and read it with your your students and and, uh, and kids and, and nieces and nephews and all that all right um, a little break um, I'll, I'll pop in a little music here and then we will come back and talk about Amazing Fantasy by Kari Kyle Andrews from Marvel Comics and other things. Here we go. Okay, um, actually before we get into Amazing Fantasy, I might as well just mention the two things on my to-read docket that have sort of really um, are on, you know, uh, I'm just having them in hand. I'm excited to read them. Haven't really dug into them much, um, and I know. Oh, I feel I I suck. <laughs> I've wanted to um, talk about Squire, and I think there's just a whole list of books in a previous episode, 
And I just beg your forgiveness, um, especially those of you who are supporters of this podcast. It's I'm honored and humbled that you would actually um, not only subscribe and and maybe even listen, but even uh, uh, you know some of you even like Substack supporters. Um, it just blows my mind. Thank you. Um, but uh, the uh, uh, there's been a few books that I've said oh, I want to talk about this. I'm going to talk about this, and then um, I, I just lose. It's just crazy. Um, my life is, is too crazy. So let me just sincerely apologize if you were expecting something and I haven't talked about it. And honestly, just be, be honest with you as I am with my students that I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what I promised to talk about and you wanted to hear about it and, and I've disappointed you and let you down. So um, that's maybe my nudge or encouragement or invitation to, to um, you know, reach me on Twitter or, or if you're a paid subscriber, you can comment on, on the Substack. Um, or just send me a note. Um, my email, I think, is is in the uh, show notes. Um, and let me know. Let me know what you are reading. Uh, let me know what you um, were expecting me to talk about. And I didn't um, because I'm happy to. Um, and the dialogue with you is really why I do this. So, so please don't hold back from saying, Paul, what happened? I expected you. What happened? <laughs> um, okay. Nonetheless, forging ahead, these are some things that I have um, on my to-read pile. Um, just these two, actually, that I'll talk about. One is um, is the third person, which came out from John and Quarterly earlier this month in May, a couple of weeks ago. And um, Emma, uh, Emma Grove is the creator. Um, she, her pronouns, I believe. And Emma Grove... Um, is a um, was a Disney animator, um, but really, as as their their bio, her bio says, like loved the traditional media, and so when animation became very digital, uh, Grove started doing comics. Um, and the third person is memoir. Um, I, sorry, I didn't mean to say that with a question mark. It is memoir, um, and it's really about. Let me. The, I guess the, the little short blurb in the back. Emma Grove is. Emma Grove's life is a testament to the importance of having the space to heal and live authentically. Uh, title is The Third Person. The Third Person is a singular achievement, a gripping depiction of the intersection of identities and trauma. Um, and in the beginning of the book and throughout, we see uh, Emma in a therapist's office, um, Toby's office. And Emma is transgender and, um, and is kind of in the in the process of hormone replacement therapy. And um, then uh, at, uh, uh, at one moment, Emma is, you know, outgoing and um, confident and a young woman named Katina. And then at another moment, uh, depressed, subversive, uh, submissive, sorry, submissive workaholic named Ed. I'm reading from the, <laughs> the, the uh, cover flap synopsis, by the way. <laughs> sorry, I can't do quotation marks uh, in my, in my, uh, and on audio here um and so as the story kind of unpacks and this is a thick book but one that um although the cartooning style is uh, super consistent and and really good looking it's not flashy it's course kind of like every page is eight eight panels um and every panel is 
you could tell this person is an animator just in terms of knowing how to do consistency but this is this is also straight up cartooning you know we're not trying to like uh, paint vast landscapes it's black and white and it's a lot of like talking heads and 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 expressing emotions through uh, you know faces and beats and moments and a lot of just real regular life but this kind of question of whether um, indeed uh, Emma is is um, uh, uh, you know, suffering from dissociative identity disorder, which you know, it's been we've been talking about a, a lot because of Moon Knight, um, or if there's um, something else going on. It's kind of the the, the driving question of this memoir. I'm super interested to read this, and I do want to talk. I want to talk about this in the next episode. Please don't let me forget. <laughs> Please, uh, but check it out. Um, it like I said, it's like a. It's a massive book. It's like 900 pages. Um, but as somebody in these quotes, these little, I should, I don't know, I said blurb earlier. These are the actual blurbs. Somebody blurbing this book um, said, uh, I, I did it in one sitting. And I can see that. It's like that kind of book, 900 pages thick, but I did it in one sitting. I, like Dash Shaw's books are always like that for me. It's like, oh my gosh, this is huge. And then I'm done. Um, because I'm so uh, absorbed in it. Um, so yeah um what a cool book and um you know some endorsements from uh maya kobabe from Kob um, for forgive me if that's not how you say their name um the the creator of gender queer and and just other you know artists and and, and creators i really respect and so i'm gonna excited to read the third person by emma grove from john and quarterly check that out and then the other thing that i finally got in hardcover collected form is decorum which is the jonathan hickman and um, mike huddleston image book um that was wow i was pretty surprised actually how consistently it was coming out issue by issue and i got a whole bunch of them um and then i also got it digitally but um now i have it in this uh very pretty very pretty hardcover uh, of course these are a couple of the folks who are part of the three worlds three moons um team uh, really the trio um excluding um mike mike del mundo of course um but huddleston's style together with Hickman's style, uh, make for some pretty beautiful comics. Um, this is a book I've referred to on this podcast a number of times as something that I've started 10 times, but like I never have the, the energy and the mental focus to get through all of it because, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a lot. Um, but I, I'm going to find, I'm going to find the time and decorum is also up next on the list. So Check those things out. I think this hardcover um, is, runs in the area of 40, 50 bucks, um, but it's pretty nice. I think it's a seven issue run from Image uh, that um, that was the original. Um, now that's collected, um, you can, you know, have your have the mind trip of reading through it together. <laughs> um, okay. Well, speaking of things that were collected and read that you could read through all the way, um, I want to talk about Amazing Fantasy. And um, this started coming out, I guess, half a year or so ago. Uh, Five-issue miniseries by Kari Kyle Andrews. And um, I remember some of the chatter around the first few issues just being like, this book is cool. Um, and so it's now been released in a sort of oversized, uh, you know, what do you, what do you call this? What kind do we call this kind of edition? It's, the, it's a treasury edition, um, but the pages are huge. Um, and it's really good for this like art because Andrews, uh, you know, employs this um, this kind of fantasy novel cover style for 
the covers. And then within, there's actually a um, kind of a mix of styles. Um, it'll be familiar to those of you who've read um, Andrews's work, whether from you know his, his Iron Fist series or um, the uh, Renato Jones, the One Percent, or you know other things that um, Andrews has done. Um, but uh, you know, so this like that kind of art style is familiar. It's 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 this nice um, realm in between a kind of loose cartooning and then this and a very tight and, and pretty cartooning with lots of stylistic allusions to um, the past renditions of the main characters and the main characters being, I should say, um, uh, Captain America, Black Widow, and Spider Man. What happens is that they're each extracted from their respective kind of like original times you could say um peter parker from i don't know whatever spider-man modern peter parker but black widow kind of more from like the 1970s vibe of of spy thriller that uh that you know uh, natasha's character sort of uh, emerged from and then and then captain america actually from like a, a world war ii era um pre fallen in the ice kind of cap um and what happens is they they all experience a kind of death-like thing and then they're they're sort of wake up on a, a fantasy island where there's warring you know whatever they trolls or <laughs> gnomes or um centaur characters um and i remember the first few issues of this really um landing with a pretty good splash and then some of the enthusiasm tailed off as things went on and i think it's because some of the reveals and i'll get into some spoilers but i'll warn you then um some of the reveals were uh disappointing to people um but not to me and i'll talk about why when we get into the spoilers um the uh aesthetics of the thing is really leaning into the sci-fi fantasy kind of um you know uh, uh sort of pulpy uh, tradition and even in the covers that they um that they use um there's just a lot of this kind of you know deep fantasy or or deep sci-fi um and these characters are transported into really a different place and so it's a it's a, it's a very elseworldsy multiverse kind of story um and they are it kind of reimagined in a different different uh time and place and it just brings an interesting pathos to what you know about the characters um i i rem for some reason the uh you know it's not a very well-known or much talked about run but there's a remender um run uh on captain america that john romita jr drew most of and in it uh, i forget, forget the setup but he basically steve rogers is transported into a uh alternate timeline or dimension or something, dimension z something like that and maybe it has to do with baron zemo i don't know <laughs> but it was definitely it, it was an interesting story because it was sort of like unrecognized but it didn't have to be cat it could have been anyone it didn't have to be captain america like what of this is captain america except that it is some noble person that is now dropped into this like land uh that where time is works differently and you know has to spend an eternity trying to um you know save people and get out of this thing and i re i i remember feeling this ambivalence as i read it it was just a, such an intriguing setup it could have been an image book and really it could have been anybody it really didn't have to be captain america except that it really distilled by by pulling steve out of his normal context and situations and characters that surround him and dropping him into this weird land and had to save a kid or something like that <laughs> um uh 
into a very alternate kind of world. And is that truer to the character or is that less true to the character was the question that I asked. You know, it's like, do you, when you take um, Spider-Man out of the friendly neighborhood, it's not a friendly neighborhood, he's the friendly Spider-Man. <laughs> when you take Peter Parker out of Queens, right, away from May and MJ and, and you know, the whole thing, uh, and Harry, is it still Peter? Does it still matter that it's Peter? You know, and I would say, like, yes, I think that's one of the interesting. I haven't seen Doctor Strange yet, um, so don't spoil me on it. But I think that's one of the interesting questions that um, comics use multiverse stories to pose, uh, or and Elseworlds type stories to pose, which is like, how much are you uh, um, constituted of your environment and situation? I mean, it's a bit of a nature nurture kind of question, right? Or or is there some essence of who you are that um, should the other factors and configurations of the universe be different, you'd still be you in some sense. And, um, and so I think amazing fantasy asks that question by, you know, plucking cap, uh, Natasha and Parker from their worlds and dropping them in this other world in this other situation. Um, in the end, I think, uh, a question that, you know, there's a number of these series going right now. Like, um, this is a Tom Taylor thing that Tom Taylor does super well, I think. Um, and you know, I think T Taylor's got one at DC and one at Marvel or something. And Zdarsky's doing a thing. And you know, there's just so many of these kind of like same familiar superhero characters, but in some other Elseworlds type situation. Um, and I think since the uh, deceased and Marvel Zombies success or I don't know. I'm sure it goes back far beyond that, but uh, or even just my aforementioned injustice thing. You know, like core essence of the characters turn around to different kind of situation in um, different world. It's uh, and I think that half of the intrigue for us as readers is like, are they going to pan out to be the same, um, or is there some key situational difference that is um, pivotal in making them into somebody else? Um, how well does a man, uh, amazing fantasy do with that? Um, and how much do I want to keep reading? I, I think I wanted to keep reading a lot. Um, and being five issues made it neat enough that I could get through it. It felt like a ride. It felt like a like a 90-minute movie. Um, and so it was great fun. Um, Andrews' art is always super fun. Um, I just realized that um, as I'm talking about Kari Andrews' art that I didn't talk about the art of the leak very much at all. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna go edit edit that back in. <laughs> um, uh, probably not. Um, forgive me for that. If you're still curious about the art of the leak, I really like it. It reminds me a lot of Layla Miller's Click and Camp and um, Act that series for young readers. Okay, sorry. Let me let me just cut that last thirty seconds I just said into earlier in the episode. No, I'm not gonna do that. Um, okay, back to Kari Andrews and Amazing Fantasy. Uh, I just think the art looks awesome. I think it, it's like a super intriguing world. Um, you know, some of these other series that I'm that, I, that I'm comparing it to it went 12 issues and is 12 issues too long? I don't know, but I think five issues is too short is what I'm trying to say. I could have done with more uh, Amazing Fantasy just in the sense that the story structure and what it built up to was essentially predictable um 
and more importantly to have had three focal characters and to ask this question of if you change up these different aspects of the configuration in their universe and who they are what do they show themselves to be uh, you know i could have i would have loved a little bit more of this and andrews's past series that have been um longer have had some space for the character development sometimes the plot was um circulating in, in place in ways that i i didn't know if i, I needed um, that many issues of kind of uh, going back and forth i did really like the iron fist um was it the iron fist living weapon no maybe that was the larry hama i don't remember what the iron fist <laughs> mini series that andrews did i feel like it's 12 issues i have it um collected i have i mean i have the individual issues love those um i got to actually chat briefly with um with Kari andrews at an image expo once upon a time way back when uh when they announced um this uh renato jones the one percent book and um super talented guy uh you know was doing filmmaking and all kinds of stuff and i could just tell he was kind of those creative people bursting with with ability and uh amazing fantasy and almost everything that Kari andrews does is kind of Kari andrews top to bottom writing drawing you know color i don't know lettering maybe <laughs> i'm not sure i should check um but um just an immense talent um that this this uh this sort of creative um uh powerhouse that Kari andrews is uh no lettered by vc's joe sabino a familiar name um but uh but this story i just felt i would have loved uh, a little more space for it to stretch out um and now to get into the spoilers so if you don't want to know and you want to enjoy this book um uh, have a good week <laughs> that's i'm going to talk about this book and then this episode will be over so thanks so much for joining us um and you can check it out or you can listen to the rest of this after you've after you've read um amazing fantasy i think it might be up on marvel unlimited to complete at this point uh, i could be wrong but um but the uh uh oh sorry before you go though <laughs> get the treasury edition it's beautiful it's it's uh it's huge and it smells great <laughs> i love it <laughs> um but uh to, to get into the spoiler territory i think one of the things that made people like ah, i don't know about this is that um you know a key character in this thing is is uncle ben um who uh is not rice and who <laughs> who um winds up having you know really betrayed um parker and, and the whole whole project the whole mission here against the sort of oppressive magical forces um and you know what that like ben is one of those characters that you can you can you thomas wayne him <laughs> i mean the ringer that thomas and martha wayne have been through you know the to go from to be taken off the pedestal of the idealized uh, place that they are as you know these perfect parents and then to have the you know main configuration of the remix of the story wind up being that they were like terrible or unfeeling or corrupt or you know like or evil or, or batman or whatever like it's just been a lot you know we have we, we've been a lot of years telling these same stories about these same characters so you can't have any sacred cows you, everything is going to get uh knocked off for the sake of story um so i, I think there is a little feeling of like Ben, did you have to? Did you have to corrupt the uh, incorruptible image of uh, of uh, with great power comes great responsibility? You know, young nephew Peter. Um, I think it's okay <laughs> that I didn't really have too much of an issue with it. 
I think you know it makes for the surprise that you you are supposed to have at some at exactly the right point in the whatever third act of the story or whatever. Um, that's the twist. Um, what I wish I had been able to see or figure out or I guess feel more than anything in the story is just that there was a payoff and it seems like an all too brief moral kind of redemption for that particular situation but I think the payoff would have been a more um, you know maybe this is me missing it but you know what what do we gain what do we um, what do we see differently what surprises us in the configuration of things uh, changing and 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 in what's really underneath and behind these characters being revealed and Natasha winds up being Natasha Steve is Steve you know Peter Parker is Peter Parker that's fine and and I think I'm glad that within five issues we didn't um, you know try to try to twist things too much with who they are at their core as characters but the world gets all introduced very quickly and then it must be kind of settled very quickly and I don't know if this was originally planned for longer it feels like it's so expansive that you know five would have been not enough um, there's a little wolverine extra thing that maybe came before was a zero thing or something like that so maybe there were plans for more i'm not really sure i don't pay well enough attention i just think um we are now in a time where superhero narratives are like you know at the place of asking these questions this is prime multiverse time <laughs> and you know going back to into the Spider-Verse, right? And I keep wondering, with all of these multiverse stories that we're telling, we, they, <laughs> that we're wrapping ourselves into, what, what is it for? You know, like, what do we accomplish by imagining, you know, the alternative? There's, like, the fun of, oh, you know, we can get um, all these Spider-Men <laughs> and their villains inhabiting the same world. And it seems, it feels a little bit to me like the nostalgia that we are all rebooting all the franchises from our childhoods in the 80s and 90s. But what, but for what, what purpose? Like what, what does it actually ultimately do for us to revive the spirits of these stories past and then to imagine, try to imagine something different with them? Um, there's a way where we keep returning to these things and, and wanting to picture something different and 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 what is that what's going on in our sort of collective id that is so hungry to do that and i guess amazing fantasy to have borrowed that title and then to sort of really exploit the um the the genres that it's you know sort of ensconced in what what can you do with that to really say something profound about you know where our heads are at collectively why do we disappear into these alternative fantasies and um and what does it really show us about ourselves when we're there i don't know um and I, I don't this isn't a complaint about amazing fantasy i think it's just more what i'm thinking about when i read this and so many of the other ones the one the, when they're in the medieval version of the world or you know this this or that crisis or whatever you know i just mm, i'm trying to find my own philosophical bearings in why we're doing these stories now why we love them and why they're great fun, uh, but, but even when they're disappointing, what are we looking for exactly? You know, what are we looking for exactly? Um, that's a question. That's an inquiry. 
Hey, chime in in the chat. No, there's no chat. Chime in in the comments or in uh, you know, or send me a note or tell me your thoughts or come on the podcast and 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 chop this up with me. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's it for comic syllabus today. Um, I hope next week. I hope. <laughs> I hope things are calm in my world enough where I can come back to this um, week after week. And thank you for those of you who support. Um, we, I set a goal and a threshold when I started the Substack that if there are ten supporters, that I would go to weekly, and uh, and we we've never reached that point. We have not yet reached that point in full transparency, and so know that I would definitely uh, come through on that uh, once we hit that. Um, but I thank you, those of you who make you know, a significant difference, 10% of the difference when you've uh, been a supporter uh, to get us closer and closer to that. So, and if you um, have the means, uh, I know it's tough times and can, uh, you can contribute that, to that too at the, at the Comics of the Substack. Uh, meantime, uh, let's keep reading. Thank you much. Take care. <laughs>